It's the Lust for, the all-new Lust for Live podcast. My name is AJ, uh, here with my fellow live concert lover, Tom Long. Tom, how's it going, man? It's going well, thank you. Uh, so uh, I said all, we're still all new. I think we're all new, uh, at least for the first 10 episodes. What do you think? Well, we haven't hit that um, million listener mark that we had kind of set for ourselves, I think, last episode. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I had mentioned that. So we're, but we're well on our way, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, just just a few off from that, you know, million subscribers. So Yeah. yeah. So uh, in case uh, maybe this is your first time hearing us, basically, Tom and I just, uh, we decided that we wanted to start a podcast. So what, what do we want to do a podcast about? Well, what do we both love and what do we both miss because of this pandemic, live music. You know, if there's anything we're going to do a podcast about, it's going to be live music. And and we've been having some fun uh, with these episodes. So uh, so thanks for checking us out. And, you know, our podcast is so much more fun when we have special guests on it. And I got to tell you, Tom, I am really excited about this special guest that you lined up for us today. Um, w- without further ado, why don't you introduce this week's guest. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so uh, actually other than my wife, this is the person that I have seen more concerts with than anybody else in the world um, because he is my brother, Tim. Welcome to the show, Tim. Up, Tim? Yeah, thank you very much guys. You know, we're, we're going, you guys are going international now. So that's, that's huge. And lucky for you guys, I only listen to good music. So you guys are, <laughs> you guys are all set. I feel like I should establish I'm the older brother. So his impeccable music taste is because I helped helped you form that. For all that. All of it. Yeah. Now remember that as we go through this conversation and, and I mentioned a lot of shit bands. Just just remember you said that, Tom. <laughs> yeah, <all> right. <laughs> AJ will be editing that part out already. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim mentioned uh, international. Yeah, because Tim is checking in from uh from Dublin. And uh, how long have you been living there, Tim? Yeah, just under five years now. I love it here. I love when uh, I tell people I'm from Ireland and then they hear my voice and it's like an American accent and they get really confused. Um, but yeah, in, in Dublin, I'm just, Dublin's a great place for music. Everybody thinks of Ireland as like traditional music and walking in the pub and having your Guinness and listening to the, the fiddle and the flute. It's so much mm. more than that. And, and Dublin just has a great vibe going on. Lots of great venues around here that uh, every night of the week, there's, there's music all the time. It's great. Yeah. Now, when you were considering uh, making the move there, uh, it, it must have been one of the things that you considered, like, you know, it, it, will there be a good live music scene there, right? It's, uh, that's always important. I mean, you don't want to be somewhere where there's nothing to do, but maybe have a few drinks or, I don't know, hmm. just hang out and do nothing and try to meet new people. But really, if you're bored, it's your fault because whatever your taste of music is, it's here. You can get it anywhere. There's so many good venues here. There's venues that hold 13,000 people. So you have the, the big people coming. Um, you have people going to the, all the festivals in the UK and they always stop by Ireland just to do a quick show. And then you have the, the places like Vicker Street and Olympia that holds 1,500, 1,200. So that's where you get the smaller bands that you really enjoy. And that it just makes it really personal, really uh, real personal experience there. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I think about St. Patrick's Day and going out to places like Brian Baru uh, here in Portland. Um, 
and, and I imagine that being in Dublin, it's it's just like that every single day of the year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, drunk, no, drunk Americans wearing green every day in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think this is really cool that we have you on, Tim, because, uh, you know, a lot of us that have been going to concerts over the years, we are lucky enough to have uh, a, a good friend, a, a partner in crime, so to speak, uh, that we've gone to a lot of shows together. And uh, Tom, you mentioned that you've, uh, you and Tim have been to so many different shows together. Uh, wh- what's it like to be able to share that bonding experience? It's, uh, yeah, geez, I'm having, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, I mean, Tim and I are just so used to doing so many things together, whether it was like, you know, growing up and playing sports together in the yard and uh, later in life, driving our motorcycles together cross country. Like we're just so comfortable with each other. I feel so comfortable with Tim. Um, And it's just, it's natural and relaxed. And we've just had some epic experiences together at these incredible shows we've gone to. And I feel like usually if I ask, Hey, you want to go to this show? Uh, The answer is almost always yes. So Mm. someone I can count on, you know, even, even as I get older and it gets harder sometimes to find people that will accompany me to shows, like if Tim is local, he will almost always say yes. Now we were chatting a little bit, uh, before we started recording here and you're talking about the fact that Tim, sometimes you don't remember shows so well, but, but Tom, you remember everything, Tim, that must come in pretty handy. Is there ever a time that Tom is like, Hey, uh, you remember, you remember this show? Remember when this happened? And you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Like, it's great that somebody remembers everything. I mean, my memory might be a little, a little distorted due to the extra curricular activity going on. Oh, yeah. Um, it's even better when you have a designated driver, you know, to take yes. you home from, from all the shows. So yeah, I, I feel like I have a good memory of all the shows. I feel like I had a blast at all of them. And mm. it's great when your brother can fill you in on the next day on all the activities that happened the night before. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it should be explained here that uh, I, I don't drink. Um, so so um, I'm fantastic to go to shows with. I'm fantastic to go out with on the weekend because you've got a building. Built-in designated driver, yeah. Yep. So you know, no argument, no no fighting, and mm-hmm. um, but because of that, maybe there are some things I remember slightly better in a in a concert setting. And and not only always the designated driver, but always the, the person that's level-headed, right? I I don't know. I don't know if I can be counted on for always being level-headed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so Tom, uh, you're you're the older brother, correct? Correct. Yes. So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the responsibility that you had uh, when when Tim was younger and coming up and, and getting ready for his first show. I mean, did you did you feel pressure to, uh, you know, the responsibility trying to expose Tim to great music? Um, yeah, I, I, Tim also benefits from um, there's in between Tim and I is our sister, Martha. So ah. like I got to somewhat fine tune and practice a bit when it came to music and, and taking her to shows and things as she got older. So, uh, you know, I learned from, from, from doing that. And eventually, um, with Tim, I guess I always, I like different weird music and I hated how sometimes it was a struggle 
when people were like, you shouldn't listen to that, or that's not good music or kind of judging it. So I wanted to make sure, even though Tim has very similar taste to me that like, as he was growing up, that I kind of was supportive as much as I could be to like, listen to what you want to. And, um, you know, even if we get, you know, the first two shows I took him to, you know, one was the Primus, uh, Blink-182 Snowcore tour, which wow. we, we both love both those bands. But I think the second one I took them to was a corn show. And, um, I don't, you know, I'm not sure how much he listens to them now, but at the time he really loved them. And I definitely was not a corn fan at any point in my life, but <laughs> it was important that he got to see the music that he loved at the time. And I thought that was important. Yeah. It, it's know, great to have an, an older brother that, you know, takes you to different shows, whether he enjoys the music or not. I mean, I remember Tom dragging me to a Tori Amo show, trying to expose me to new music. <laughs> and wow, was I at a place there. I did not know what I was doing. Just, just stand in the back and try to do what everybody else is doing. But, you know, as, as a younger brattier brother, he had to take me to, to other gigs. You know, my, her mom wouldn't let me go to gigs alone when I'm a teenager or with my friends. You know, who knows yeah. what could happen um, if I went with a bunch of friends, you know, the the drugs and alcohol and the women and the whatever is in your parents' minds that happens at these gigs. So I got to drag Tom to a nice corn concert. And <laughs> man, well, I still listen to them just... every day, every day while I work. I just, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me just tell you, Tim, you're in a safe space. It's okay to share that. Uh, I, I will admit that at one time uh, I was a fan and follower of, of the band Corn as well. So, so I have a, a good friend of mine, you know, I can't say his name and I really, really want to, but he was also a big fan of Corn at the time. And he got a Corn tattoo, which you're oh, kind of wow. like, uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> That, that that's not going to age well. That's, <laughs> that, that's dedication. That's dedication. <laughs> he it sure is. Well, now he, I, I can't stress that enough. It's a tramp, a tramp stamp. So he oh got. My God. Tramp, tramp stamp <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! Even better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty-nine years old, still a virgin because of it. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you know, it, but it's interesting to hear about how, you know, you guys are brothers, obviously, you know, very tight then, very tight now, but, uh, but different music tastes, uh, even from the beginning and, uh, which, you, you know, because of that, you ended up going to shows that, uh, maybe not necessarily both of you loved, but were willing to go just cause you're brothers, you know? Yeah. It's always exposure to new, to uh, new music is, is really what it is. Um, you know, when I remember growing up, and Tom's always playing Red Hot Chili Peppers and BC Boys and Pearl Jam. And that definitely influences you. And I like mm -hmm. that harder music. So when I got a little bit older, it was, oh, God, do I say it? It, it was Corn, It was Limp Biscuit, and all that other crap out there. Yeah. It's because it's, it's energy and it's, it's just entertaining at that time of your life. And it's great to have somebody older than you that's just like okay yeah I, I understand you like music and uh as much as this isn't my music i'll go with you so you can be exposed to all different kinds definitely 
Well, and there's probably a part of you that wants to like, you know, when, when you're that age, when you're younger, you like, you want to have your own identity. You don't want to just be a carbon copy of your brother. That's exactly it. I know, yeah. you know, Tom's not huge into rap and he used to almost make fun of me when, when I listen to Criss Cross, because they'll make you jump, jump. And and I had to remind him, you know, half of the Red Hot Chili Peppers lyrics are also rhyming. It's just two different beats. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting how our tastes are very different, but more often than not, they, they come together. And when you're listening to it live, it's very different than listening to it on an album. And, sure. and the, Venn, the Venn diagrams of the music we listen to, like, has a lot of a lot of overlap. But even, you know, even though Tim's younger, it it went both ways too, because he turned me on to music that I previously wasn't into. And mm. um, I mean, even like, so the second show that I took him to that we joke about, and I like to give him a hard time about, was Corn um, in Lowell, Massachusetts, at the Songus Arena. Uh, November 7th, 1998. Um, so I, I went to college down in Lowell and I had graduated that spring and then, you know, that fall kind of took them back to, and it felt nice to kind of go back to my, the town of my college, you know, and see it again and to bring them to it. But, you know, at that show it was corn, um, and opening up was incubus and orgy. Right, wasn't oh, wow. orgy that wasn't orgy that band that like they um they did that cover of Blue Monday, right? Is that who orgy? Am I remembering How orgy right? Does it feel? Yeah, right. I think they. I think that was them. But yeah. um, I actually kind of like dug Incubus, and like I don't know, I I followed a couple of their albums, and you know, kind of that inadvertently turned me onto that a bit and i know I've, I've always enjoyed radiohead but tim is a is a uber radiohead fan and has made me more of a radiohead fan and appreciate them more and even recently he's turned me on to um fontaine's dc um which i know tim has seen in dublin so yeah nice. that was that was actually a great gig i got to see fontaine's dc here in dublin um they're an ireland-based band and I'm trying to get my brother into it and have a second album coming out. And it was just, it was a great experience. It, it takes me back to the old Dropkick days where back in the day, Dropkicks had a little toughness to them, right? And and Fontaine's DC is just post-punk band. They, they're poetry and they're trying to take poetry back from from the rich society and they came out with an album and it's called uh, Dogrel. And they played at a place, I believe it was called uh, Vicker Street. It holds about 1,500 people. And they had more than 2,000 people that day packed wow. in this place. The album is maybe under an hour long. And you're talking about punk music playing live. So I think the whole gig was about 40 minutes beginning to end. And it was. it just took me back where people sprayed beer all over the place you left there sticky and smelly and it's just something that i miss that i haven't had in a really really long time yeah and i definitely recommend the fontaine's dc they have a second album coming out uh, actually it came out about a month or two ago and and hopefully they're they're going to grow and grow and grow I want to go back to you. You were talking about the first your first show ever, Tim, and uh, and and Tom was there, which uh, you said was Primus and Blink. 
what was that like? I, I mean, leading up to it, you must have been, you know, really excited about going to your first show. I was excited. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And you get there and there's just all these people around you and you're shoulder to shoulder and you're trying to be like, oh, this is, this is my personal space. What are you doing in my space? I was standing here first. And <laughs> you go through all these, all these. Uh, <laughs> they didn't work in the <laughs> you touch, don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it never goes away. You know, I'm, even at my age, I'm still like, yep, this is my space. I was standing here first. And uh, <laughs> it was a bit intimidating. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to dance. I felt like I was uh, Will Ferrell from Talladega Tal Nights. What do I do with my hands? You know, I, I want to dance to the music, but I just, I don't know how to, do I sing along? Do I let the, the singer sing and I just be quiet? I was just really taking my cues from my brother about, you know, <laughs> about how to properly act at a, at a gig. And, you know, it always stay with me. And I remember, God, it felt like for the next two days, my ears were just ringing and I thought it was never going to stop. And then, you know, I, I don't think it ever did. I think they're still ringing to this day. <laughs> yeah, that, that was before, you know, as an older brother, that was before I realized that uh, earplugs are a good idea when you go to concerts, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But that was, so that Snowcore tour, basically what it was is the the Vans warp Tour in the summer was just growing and growing every year. And so I think there was an attempt to do this kind of, um, you know, music sport combo thing in the winter, but obviously yeah. it couldn't be a big outdoor festival. So it was this, you know, small multi-band, they called it Snowcore. They kind of had it cross-branded with snowboarding. And um, so this was at the, at the Songus Arena again in Lowell, Massachusetts, March 6th, um, you know, so kind of the end kind of think of it as maybe the end of of the snowboard season but kind of the best time of the snowboard season because mm. it's starting to get sunnier and things like that but um so they had you know primus was the big headliner and opening up for them was this band called blink 182 that had this new album out called damn it and it was my first introduction to to blink 182 and just their dialogue on stage was just like ludicrous and hysterical at the same time um so it was just, just really fun venue and uh we were trying to be a little bit of the protective older brother i wasn't taking my I mean, at that time, so I, I was a senior in college, Tim in like 98, what, what were you and you were in high school still, but like what grade? I think, I think I was 16. I don't even think I was 17. I think I was yeah 15 or 16. And, and I remember a bra being thrown on stage and they hung it <laughs> over one of the microphones. And I was like, what is it? I need to go to gigs every single weekend of my life. If this is what happens. Yeah. And Blink-182 is just the coolest band in the world, you know? Yeah, they're crass, they're crass jokes in between sets. And, and yeah, and I remember, so, you know, Tim's, what, 15, 16? So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to bring him into the pit with me. So I'm going to, like, stand as far back as I did at that time, which was kind of on the edge of the pit. And, um, again, kind of like Radiohead, 
I really like Primus, but especially at the time, I don't know if it's still Tim, but especially at the time, Tim was a much bigger Primus fan than I was even. And um, we ended up standing beside a local reporter who was trying to write down like the set list as they were playing songs. And, um, and then he kind of turned like to us and be like, what, what's the name of this song? And like, Tim was like Johnny on the spot, like, you know, three measures into a song. He's like, Oh, this is this song. And so like, I don't know if Tim remembers, but he was basically like, this guy would just turn to him at the beginning of every song and be like, what songs this one? And Tim would just like spout it out. And, you know, at 15, 16 years of age, is like helping out this reporter. I felt like I was going to read the news the next day and like have my name mentioned into it and find this article. I never found that article. I didn't become famous because of it. <laughs> yeah, me, me neither. Local super fan. Uh, yeah. It's great that you guys, you know, started things out like that. And then, you know, moving forward, what were some of your other uh, memorable shows that, that the two of you went, went to together? Tim and I, for years, have been going to um, the Dropkick Murphy St. Patrick's Day shows mm. for years, like b- before before you know they really hit it with the larger popular crowd when it was still kind of a small crowd and and still you know down on Lansdowne Street wasn't House of Boston a House of Blues yet in Boston it was still the Avalon um so we've been going to those shows for years and you know some years there'd be like a huge crew of us that went and some years depending on the day that St. Patrick's Day fell there'd be like a smaller crowd and um i remember this this one year it was a smaller it was a smaller group of us that went together. It was my brother and I and my friend Mario. Um, I think I think that was all that went that year. Tim, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I um, think Duck was there too. Oh, was du- oh, yeah, Duck was there as well. Um, yeah, sometimes we had huge crews, but some years we were you know just four or five of us. But um, so I don't know how much people know about like in the nineties. So this, this, even though this was early two thousands in the nineties, there were these like hardcore gangs, like as hardcore as in hardcore punk. Um, it was really big deal in the nineties. And I remember there were shows that me and my friends just wouldn't go to cause we'd hear a certain gang was going to be there or whatever. And, and sometimes it'd bring like those tiny little, bats that you like souvenir bats from baby you know baseball games and stuff oh, they'd like sneak stuff like that in and would beat people up and stuff so um one of one of the ones around boston was called fsu um standing for fuck shit up and they'd all wear florida state university like hats and hoodies and stuff like that because uh, there's not a whole lot of florida state university people attending Boston hardcore shows. So there wasn't any overlap there. Um, you know, so there were shows in the nineties that you'd be like, how much do I love this band? Am I willing to risk, you know, and like most kind of gang situations, you know, you weren't worried about one of the guys one-on-one. It was always that they rolled in like pretty large groups and, um, as scary as they were in the nineties, I think someone tried to to rekindle that feeling or that group of people in the, in the two thousands, not nearly in the, in the same like level, but so we found ourselves at a dropkick Murphy show and there were just like two of these FSU dudes like standing around us. And, uh, I don't know, I guess t- Tim, you want to take it from here? Cause they, they were kind of antagonizing you. 
um, about how it started. Yeah, so so let's start just by you know saying I am six foot ten and two hundred and fifty pounds, so I can kind of <laughs> handle my own. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you, you take that and maybe divide by two, and that's what I really am. Tim and I, to, Tim and I together, <laughs> Tim and I together on each other's shoulders weigh that much. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> for a second, I, I I totally believed you. I was like, whoa, you're a big dude. No, 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 no. I'm not a tough guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a skinny guy. And, uh, you know, I just get angry sometimes. Uh, it happens. It happens sometimes that happens sometimes when you're drinking a few beers, you know, and, and mm-hmm. we've been going to the drop kicks for years. And what the attraction for drop kicks was, it was, it was like a, a family. You know, I've been knocked down in the pit. And I don't know if I've ever actually fallen down because somebody catches you at a drop kicks gig. And this was, you know, back in the day and it was just a really close community and everyone's just like there for each other and having fun and enjoying it. And I didn't know anything about FSU. And, uh, you know, I'm, we're standing kind of in the middle towards the back. We're not in the mosh pit. So if you want to go in the mosh pit, go in the mosh pit. But this time where, you know, we just weren't. And these two guys, like my size, that I was pretty comfortable that I could take. Uh, they just found somebody even smaller than me. And they were just pushing around and kind of hitting me in the ribs. And the guy was just trying to enjoy drop kicks. And I'm like, well, the, these fucking assholes from Florida, like, who do they think they are? Like, do they know, do they know where they are? Like, this is Boston. And not only that, but this is a drop kicks. You don't act like that at a drop kicks gig. So, you know, I had enough and I wanted to help the kid out. And I just, I think I just shoved one of them and he kind of went barreling forward. I think he put his hand down. He didn't fall, but, uh, you know, I I hit him pretty good just with a a good shove. I don't think I punched him or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I I guess I'll have to jump back to Tom because uh, a little bit of this is, is, is fuzzy for me. Hmm. Yeah, you know, so yeah, just kind of, yeah, guy was being a dick, and and Tim, you know, you kind of got to look out for each other, especially at stuff like Dropkick Murphy shows, where, as Tim was saying, it it's a, a familial type feeling, and everybody usually is like arm in arm, and and so if someone's being a dick, like you just you got to step up and take care of each other, and yeah, so, so Tim kind of did that, and you know, normally you'd think, all right, all set and done, it's a it's a punk show, who cares. But I saw this kid like kind of come back up to Tim, like to try to blindside him or something. And so I like just grab him from behind, like not to start a fight, just to like hold him and like, dude, you're not going to like hit my brother. And then one of his buddies comes and like grabs me uh, or tries to grab me. And then my friend Mario just like puts his hand on the dude's shoulder and like grabs him and like you saw these these guys just kind of look and it was just like a hey hey man you're outnumbered quit being a dick um maybe move on you know so it was just like a it was yeah almost something but like even though we only had a, a couple of us with us, we still, you know, outnumbered these guys, which is really what their game is. You know, none of them are, are tough on their own. It's like, a, you know, we've got the numbers and they didn't have the numbers. And uh, yeah. Well, just to think if you guys didn't have that one extra guy, 
um, you know, things may have escalated even more. Yeah, like if if Mario was getting a beer at that moment or, mm. you know, had jumped into the pit and wasn't with us, uh, yeah, we would have been fighting. Different story altogether there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just nice to have numbers on our side that night. Yeah, I think at a show like Dropkick Murphy's, um, your your chances of um, of of getting into an altercation, uh, shall we say, uh, I, I think uh, are greatly increased than as opposed to if you're going to like a Tori Amos show. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Although don't rule it out. I mean, it could happen. I don't know. You know, it can get pretty. It can get pretty heated at Tori Amos shows, man. Uh, I tell you. Can you? Um, can you guys think of any other shows where you've come close to uh, to throwing down? Uh, not throwing down, but you know, there's throwing up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, Tim. Tim was still young, and um, Radiohead, who at the time was definitely Tim's favorite. I think, you know, is Radiohead still, would you call them still your favorite band, Tim? Oh, yeah, by far. I, I know, you know, we talk about back in the day when when the UK um, invasion exploded in the 90s and you were a huge Verve fan. I was a huge Radiohead fan. And to this day, yeah, Radiohead would be my favorite band. Um, so this was the, uh, you know, I guess I didn't think of this ahead of time, so I didn't look up the date. I'm sure I've got the ticket up upstairs. Um but this would be like okay computer error Radiohead. Mm -hmm. And as Tim was just saying, they're from the UK. So it's not like you see them very frequently over here in the States. Um, so the closest they were coming to us was at the, uh, the Worcester Centrum. Um, and again, Tim was pretty young. And I remember taking him. I'm like, I, I got to get him to this Radiohead show for sure. And um, it was seated. And then I just remember like partway through the radio headset, all of a sudden, everybody behind us, even though there were seats, like just started moving away and all the seats were getting knocked over and stuff. And I turn around and there's just somebody that had way too much to drink beforehand. Oh, wow. And uh, that's an awkward situation when you're at a show, not only like <laughs> I'm here with my, my younger brother who oh. was still you know, a young teenager and like you don't want to be like smelling that for the rest of the show either no. and, yeah for oh, a, a gig that was like a seated gig where everyone i know everyone was kind of standing that was one of the most entertaining gigs ever so if i remember correctly i mean okay computer is my favorite album it just spoke to me at that time and forever they'll be my favorite album so that's a special gig for me and I remember, yeah, the guy right behind us, just like Ugh. nearly on our shoes. Tom's giving him water. And then, you know, Radiohead comes on and they have like a light show. And I believe somebody went into a seizure because of the lighting effect in that same show. Am I right, oh my Tom? God. Oh, I totally forgot that. I was so distracted by, yeah, the oh. guy that drank too much that I forgot that somebody went into a seizure. And that's yeah. the great thing about having having somebody that you've been to so many shows with is that there are some things that that you remember about these shows, Tom, and then some things that Tim remembers. Yeah, I mean, I really i i don't i don't like people vomiting around me. I, <laughs> I don't. I hate vomiting myself. Like it's a you real like kind of traumatizing. Like I don't know the way people behave. Some of them, I, I question their, their memory of what that feels like, but like, so that that's something that's going to embed itself a little deeper in my brain oh. so much so that, yeah, somebody having a seizure, eh, 
you know, maybe not so monumental in my head. I mean, I don't know, you, you know, for a show like Radiohead, I don't know. You, you, first of all, you got to learn how to pace yourself. But, you know, I, I don't know if somebody would would want to get like really hammered because, it, I mean, a Radiohead vibe is like, you know, maybe, you know, smoke some doobies or something like that. Um, but but to get hammered, like 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 maybe you get hammered if you're going to see like ACDC or something like that, you know? Yeah. But also like those were not cheap tickets. Like who wants mm. to spend money on that level to not fucking remember a yeah. minute of it? Like yeah. that dude didn't remember any of that. He might remember oh. like a little bit of concrete that he was staring at for a few hours <laughs> on the floor, but like, yeah, you spend all that money, man. You didn't remember anything. And yeah. that was, Oh, that show was absolutely incredible. I mean, that was them. They were in prime form. That album was just so, oh, and and you know they had the the Benz and Pablo Honey songs that they were mixing up in there as well. That was such an incredible thing. And also, you know, we had driven so far, driving from like Manchester, New Hampshire to the to the Worcester Centrum, and then back that night. You know, I guess I didn't second think that ever at that age. But like now, that's that's almost uh, you got to be pretty good for me to drive that far now. And, and I, I heard that uh, that Radiohead could actually smell the vomit from the stage, and uh, <laughs> and they were they were upset about that. Jägermeister scented. I want to back up a little bit because Tim, you, you had mentioned uh, the Dropkick Murphy, Murphys, which obviously is a band uh, that you guys both love. You've seen together a bunch of times. Now that you're living over in Dublin, did you did you say that you've seen them there? Yeah, I've seen them here a couple times and you know they're just not as popular here as they are in boston well i was um, gonna say what what is it like to see the dropkick murphys in ireland i mean do they do they kind of like not take them seriously or or do they have respect for it or how's that work yeah it's definitely like respect Santa for them. In North Pole. i don't know yeah that, that's what it is so <laughs> uh, so it's like, it's like every American that comes to Ireland and they're like, hey, I'm Irish too. And they're like, oh, really? You don't sound Irish. And they're like, yeah, my great grandfather's uncle's not. Like aunt's <laughs> niece was born in some place in Ireland. So therefore yeah. I'm Irish. And, and you know, the dropkicks definitely don't have Irish accents. But, you know, I think they're they're very well respected here. They, they sell out all the time here. I saw, I've seen them at an outdoor venue. And I've seen them at an indoor venue, and in both times they definitely sold out. I mean, they just put on a good show. Um, they have mm -hmm. enough where you know they, they do play some traditional Irish music with a punk flair to it, but they have so many of their own songs that has made it worldwide. But it is, you know, it is a bit different. You know, the the mosh pits, I feel like, are an American thing. There's not a lot of that. I was recently at a, a Dropkicks gig, uh, maybe a year and a half, about a year ago. Jesus. No, it probably must have been a year and a half ago. I, I can't tell time with, with COVID at the moment. And, uh, you know, I ended up talking to two Americans next to me. There's a woman came with her mother. And uh, they're like, yeah, we always want to see Dropkicks. And I think they were from Seattle. So they, so they came to Dublin to see Dropkicks for the first time. And they're like, is, is it safe standing back here? We're, we're way in the back. Are we going to be safe here? And I'm like, you're in Ireland. You're safe no matter where you are, you know? <laughs> so 
so I remember uh, I was in the I was in the mosh pit almost the entire time, and and people just casually just walking into it, just walking into it and and hanging out in it and not realizing kind of what it was, and they just wanted to get closer to the music, um, and it was okay. Nobody really bothered them, so <laughs> it was definitely a, a different atmosphere altogether. But they still put on a great show. I mean, I don't think they could ever not put on a good show for me. Hmm. And it's hard because you've seen them like hometown, right? So seeing Dropkick Murphy in their hometown, you know, where they can do like five days in a row. I mean, that's like seeing Rancid in like San Francisco or Oakland. Like hmm. it's it's got to be hard to to see a band in their hometown for most of your experiences and then and then have that. It's all about the vibe. And you're you're right. You know, I, I was lucky enough to see Rancid in San Francisco, and man, that that crowd was just electric. You know, seeing Dropkicks back in Boston back in the day, electric. And I mentioned that Fontaine's DC. You know, when when you are home and you are playing to your local crowd where you grew up, it it does say a lot. Um, it just means so much more and you can see it in the, the performances that they put out there. So yeah, definitely. It takes, it takes a little bit off, but again, you know, the drop kicks are going to put on a good, a good set no matter where they are. Well, I think, you know, because you, you just brought, you know, you had seen Rancid in San Francisco and Rancid's band that like the two of us just love a ton. Um, and that's like, the show that you've been to that I'm the second most jealous of that I couldn't attend with you. Cause I, Oh, that must've been incredible. But I think the, the, the show that you've seen that I'm the most jealous that I wasn't there with you to see was Eddie Vedder in Dublin, right? Oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, on, on some of your previous podcasts, AJ and Tom, you guys have talked about music at a time of your life. And sometimes, you know, I mentioned it with corn, but, you know, sometimes it's not just the music. It's it's a combination of many things. And, yeah, I was definitely struggling back in June 2017 here here in Dublin, just going through some shit, right? And uh, I love Pearl Jam. I love Eddie Vedder. I love the Into the Wild soundtrack. And uh, I had two tickets to uh, to go see Eddie Vedder at, at a place called the Three Arena. It holds about 13,000 people. So, wow. you know, it's kind of like an arena, but it's made just for music. So, you know, when you when you think of arenas, you think of sports being played and then you have your your circle around it. This is kind of like just a stage with like a half circle. That's why it was created, just for music. And, and it fits about 13,000 on a good night. And Eddie Vedder's in town and I bought two tickets and I couldn't give the second ticket away. You know, I'd bought it for somebody else and, uh, you know, they were no longer going. And I was talking to my friends back home. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not going to go to this gig alone. That's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of the same thought I had when I first went to the cinema alone. I'm like, oh, who goes to the movies alone? <laughs> now I love going to movies alone. I hate going <laughs> to movies with people. So, so one of my friends, Ryan, just like, you know, I'm, I'm texting a group chat. I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to go. And, and my friend Ryan is like, Eddie Vedder in Dublin, you have two tickets? Just fucking go. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, right. 
it turned out to being one of the, it has to be my favorite gig of all time. If it was 13,000 people there, it felt like 300. And Eddie Vedder, so um, Glenn Hansard opened up for Eddie Vedder. Glenn Hansard, an Irish musician and, and her friends, have been on tour multiple times. So he comes on and, you know, the Irish people are, are really into him. And then... Uh, was he, the, was he the guy from, from <laughs> you're really specific. Was he that guy from that movie? Yep. Um, Once. Yeah. What was it called again? The movie? I think it's called Once. I've never actually seen it. It's a great movie. I really like the movie, but I keep forgetting his name. So just like for, for context, I needed to, I needed to understand that he's the, the dude from the movie. <laughs> Glenn Hansard is the dude from the film. Absolutely. And, you know, he, he's, he's a great guy. He goes out um, Christmas Eve to Grafton Street, which is a main shopping center, main shopping street in Dublin, and he busks for for charity. So, you know, sometimes Hozier will join him. Uh, back in the day, I think Bono from U2 would join him, but Bono's is too, too much of himself recently to show up on Grafton Street. But, yeah, every year Glenn Hansard raises money for charity, and he just goes out there and plays. Wow. And, uh, so he opens up for Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder gets out there, and it's just him with a bunch of guitars, like in a circle, and he's playing. and And it's a connection that I've seen multiple times with musicians and the Irish, and it, it is something special. You know, at one point, this guy was kind of yelling at him or, or or talking to Eddie Vedder. He was sitting up in front, so Eddie just like, "What the fuck are you talking about? What you think you can do better?" Get up on stage. Come on. Come on now. <laughs> and he just brings this guy on stage. And this guy, is, you know, he's half pissed at the moment, you know, and uh, yeah. he's like, what, what song do you think you can sing? And and he give a few songs out and he pulls out his cell phone and he's just like, they pull up the lyrics to a Pearl Jam song and then they are just singing like a duet. <laughs> Him and some <laughs> wow. random guy. And like, <laughs> Wow. This, this isn't a thing, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen Green Day do it. I've seen um, a few other artists, you know, a uh, big artist might pull somebody up on stage and say, who knows a song played with me or singing with me. This was mm-hmm. like not rehearsed. This was so natural. And they're just having a great time singing a song together and then they give each other a hug. And uh, he goes back, you know, goes back into the crowd and, he, and Eddie's singing song after song. And then he brings out Glenn Hansard. And I'm sure they're supposed to play three or four songs together. They end up playing like probably like 10 songs together. At one point, Eddie goes backstage, and I only do this later on. And he just basically goes, Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm paraphrasing. I don't give a fuck. Just do not shut off the lights. I will pay for the fine. I'm just going to keep playing. He must have played for about three, three and a half hours. And uh, wow. at one point, this guy, um, this spoken words, poetry, and uh, poetry guy in Ireland called Stephen James, he got up on stage and he read his poem, Dublin, You Are, and you can YouTube it. It's, it's a pretty interesting, probably five, six minute, like spoken word poetry thing. So it was so Irish and it was just amazing how Eddie Vedder could connect with everyone but also the love that like the whole crowd gave back to him. And again, it, it, the three, three and a half hours just flew by. And mm. even though it was an arena, 
it felt like it was your living room, the way that everyone just interacted with each other and, and how he's listening to the crowd and talking in the crowd. It, it must have been like the best gig I think I've ever been to. And I was alone. So that says a lot. So maybe I should go to more gigs alone then. <laughs> and you had an extra ticket, but like, ah, oh man, like, it's not like, uh, Hey, I got an extra ticket, Tom. Uh, can, can you get up here in time? Yeah, it's yeah. it's a little, a little bit goes into making your way to Dublin. So uh, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. I'm kind of, uh, I'm super jealous that he got to see that show. And, and Tim, I can imagine, uh, when you're over there and one of your favorite bands from America comes over to play a show and you go to that show, it, it, it must make you feel closer to home. It must make you feel like, oh, well, I'm not so far from home after all. Is that, is that kind of how it feels? Yes and no. Uh, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, seeing Dropkicks was something special. Seeing an American artist in Ireland is like, it's great, especially if there's a few people there. And I, at one point, I had gotten into, oh, I still, I still love this guy. His name is uh, Langhorn Slim. You know, he's not a well-known guy, right? Um, I didn't know this, but I was really into his music. He had a, a couple albums out. And he goes, he's playing on like, let's say a Wednesday night at this venue called Whelan's. Now, Whelan's is in downtown Dublin. They have a, a main stage that if you you incorporate the main stage and then up top you can kind of uh stare down onto the main stage it fits about 450 people max and they actually have different rooms and at wheelands and one room you can fit about a thousand sorry you can fit about 100 people in one room and 120 in another room so it's a great venue for live music on you know any weekend so langhorn slim is coming to wheelands i'm excited like fuck me I, i gotta get tickets and i gotta get them early so I convinced my friend Michal, we, we go there and uh, like doors open at seven. We get there at seven. We buy two tickets. We walk into the venue. We're the only two people there. It was absolutely empty. <laughs> it doesn't even start until like half seven. So so now we're just drinking beers like, oh, Jesus, half seven. Opening band comes on. It's now like 10, 15 people there. I'm like, oh, God. All right, second second band goes on. There's now like 30, 40 people there. And I don't know the guy's real name, but like the lead singer, the, the guy, Langhorn Slim, all of a sudden he's standing next to us. And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I didn't, even, I didn't even recognize it. I, I dragged my friend Michal over and, and Michal's like, that guy right there, uh, he, he looks like a musician. I'm like, fuck, that's Langhorn Slim. So he, he was standing next to us for... 80 90 seconds and then a woman walked up to him said something to him and then they both just disappeared for a little while (laughs) 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 so then he comes back on and he does a set and there's you know it's probably 100 people there and uh oh it was amazing it was great and uh you know there's a small stage but he's out there uh he just walks out onto the floor so now he's just kind of like one of us and we're all just kind of singing along and, and playing his tunes and it was really interactive with the crowd and it was amazing i got to talk to him afterwards and he signed my record but uh you know it, it was great so i'm a little like disappointed i'm like how was this guy not sold out like his music is amazing just people in ireland just don't know this guy but at the same time 
I got to have a chat with him after the gig. He walked down and we're all just like did a big circle around him as he played the last two or three songs. It's something you don't really get anywhere else. So yeah, mm. it's it's great when musicians come here and people don't know them except for a few people. It makes it really special and it does bring you back home. But at the same time, you're kind of like, oh, I, I wish they made more money off of this gig, you know? Well, that's that. That's definitely that that weird balancing act that we all have with music, right? Because how many times, even within this conversation, have like Tim and I talked about like, oh man, back in the day when the Dropkick shows were like smaller crowds and it was it was more intimate, right? And then the other side of it is like, you're there and you're there with like a handful of people, but you're like, well, I really want them to do well so that they keep making music and make a living off of it. So it kind of highlights right. that, like that sweet spot that you want to catch a band in where you feel like they're, they have enough audience and they're going to keep doing what they're doing, but you don't want it to get so big that it loses that kind of specialness to you. Yeah. We want you to be able to eat, but uh, don't get too big. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And at the same time, I need to point out, I don't know how many times in doing these podcasts that AJ, you and I have been talking about a venue and we'll be like, oh, how many people fit in that? Mm. And I never have any fucking idea how many people can fit in any venue. Like I'm just horrible yeah. at spatially projecting how many people that is. And I think like every venue that Tim has, has mentioned, he's mentioned like how many it holds. Hmm. So that's impressive, Tim. I just got to, I got to throw that out there. I knew it all Tim, along. I definitely did no research. Definitely not. Nope. <laughs> He's just a really good people counter. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. He is. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's, it's too bad that Eddie Vedder uh, isn't like an unknown in, uh, in Ireland so that you could have walked up to him and said, what's up, you know? Oh, he asked where, where does everyone go after the gig? But like, there's no way <laughs> 13,000 people are going to meet him at some pub around the corner. Oh yeah. No, a guy like that, he's going to be big no matter where he goes. Yeah. Going to get swamped. Well, listen guys, before we wrap up the podcast, uh, I did want to ask because obviously we're in, you know, crazy times and uh, Tom and I have been talking about this pretty much every episode where, you know, we, the whole reason we're doing this podcast is because, uh, you know, we miss live music so much uh, because the pandemic has basically forced every music venue to close down. And, uh, and I, I'm just sort of curious, Tim, if things if things are any different over there and if there's any sort of sign that you know maybe things might turn return to normal uh sooner over there than over here no no we we've, we've gone in reverse so um oh. yeah so outside of dublin i think finally they've opened up pubs over this past few days uh, very limited space, but Dublin, the, the cases have gone up. So we've taken a big step back. Uh, we're not supposed to leave Dublin. We're not supposed to talk to people um, more than one. We're not supposed to hang out with more than one household uh, for mm -hmm. the next three weeks. No indoor dining. So pubs won't be open for a while. Music is going to be a long way away. For, for any of us, we might be looking at a, a vaccine or maybe sometime in 2021. So, mm -hmm. and until then, you just have to close your eyes, play some live music and just pretend you're there. For, for a while, you guys were definitely doing better, faring better over there. Um, but, 
but it's kind of slid back, huh? Well, we're still faring better. <laughs> I don't know if yeah, I right. to say that. <laughs> we do set but, a pretty uh, low bar over here for, yeah. But uh, as soon as things started really uh, picking up a little bit in Dublin, you know, they, they take uh, they take it serious. So we're definitely taking a step back just so uh, people can go to school. And it, it's hard, you know, I, I understand that. Um, kids are more important. Education is more important. But, man, everyone I talk to is just talking about wouldn't it be great to go to a gig again? And we all have tickets that we bought over the last year that we're just rescheduled for 2021. And we're hoping that we get to see get to see anything in 2021. But it's going to be hard to buy a ticket. Any live gig, everyone's dying for it. Any live yeah. gig. It could be uh, Ace of Base or Aqua. <laughs> Barbie girl, come on Barbie, let's go party. And I think everyone would just jump at the chance to, to listen to it, you know. Uh, Tom, have you been over there to visit Tim? Yeah. Well, you know, I know that our podcast has, has kind of been about how much we miss shows and I guess I need to squeeze in for a second here. My, my every episode Thursday reference, um, Sarah was cleaning out one of our drawers, uh, the drawers here and, um, pulled out the tickets for some of the shows we were supposed to see this year. Yeah. And, uh, this past Saturday, I was supposed to see Thursday. So uh, oh, wow. marked marked another milestone of a band I didn't get to see this year. Wow. Um, but you know, even even harder than not seeing live music is this is I think the longest that Tim and I have probably ever gone without seeing each other. Wow. Um, so I've you know, I make it once a year typically to go see him, and he frequently makes it once a year back to the States. So the two of us usually see each other you know, at least twice a year. And so, you know, never go more than like six months, even when he was living in San Fran and stuff, we'd see each other, you know, once a year at least. Um, so yeah, this is one of the, one of the longest stretches, I think, Tim, right. That the two of us haven't like physically gotten, gotten together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely difficult because we talk about how long it's been, but I don't even want to talk about when it's going to be next. So uh... yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's it's rough for everyone. It's, um, obviously, we're we're not the only ones. There's a lot of people in these situations over abroad. But um, yeah, it's just, it's it's the times we live in nowadays, isn't it? It is, and uh, you know, I can tell you know for you guys being as close as you are, um, you know, it's all the more reason to want things to get back to normal so that you guys can get together again. And I, I'm sure you both cannot wait until you get to go to that next show together. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a blast, whatever it is. I can't wait for Tom to join me in Dublin so we can go see Corn again. Yeah. <laughs> big big Corn anniversary show happening in Dublin. Nice. Yeah. Me flying over in with an astronaut suit on in the plane so they don't have to inhale anybody else's air. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of thinking so, something, the same thing, because, you know, Tom, you mentioned the fact that you're a good DD. I can't wait for me and Tom to go to a show so I can get completely shit faced <laughs> and Tom can drive me home. Man, that's the other thing. I was thinking of that the other day. Um, you know, I, I think I've, you know, I've only hung out with you like in person because of this pandemic, mm. like maybe a total of four or five times. And, right. 
and I know we keep talking about these shows and I'm always like, man, I can't wait till AJ and I can actually go to a show. I know. And then, and then podcast about that show, like the day after both talking oh. about a shared show. And oh, I don't know when that's going to be now. Well, we both got it, man. We, we both got the, the lust for live. Indeed. See what I did there? <laughs> way, way, to, way to tie that in there. Yes. The podcast is lust for live for those of you that haven't figured out. That's right. Uh, Tim, listen, man, thank you so much. I don't know what the hell time it is over there, but we, we really appreciate you uh, making the time to come onto the podcast with us and chat. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. It's been a blast. Yeah, it really has. And hopefully, uh, you know, we're keeping our fingers crossed. Things get back to normal soon so we can, you know, get out to shows again and, and you guys can, uh, you guys can hang out. You guys can go to a show and, and, and rage together for sure. Mm hmm. And uh, Tom, man, that's uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for jumping on, man. Really appreciate it. AJ, thanks for for mastering all the controls as usual. Uh, thanks for you know the idea of, of bringing my brother on, Tim. It's really yeah. nice to talk to you as always, and and thanks for joining us on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's always fun, uh, and we all also want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen hope you enjoyed listening as much as uh we enjoyed having this conversation and if you want to leave any sort of comments about some of the stuff that we talked about if you if you love the show uh hey if you hate the show uh we'd love to hear from you too uh just leave a comment uh, <laughs> on whatever platform you're listening on and uh we will be back another episode in the works uh so be looking for that make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can uh uh, get a notification when we post our next episode. So until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye.